I don't know what to say right now, so let's pray. Uh, Father, we come before you. Uh, we thank you for this day and that time of worship and your word. We thank you for the truth that you have given to us through Jesus Christ and the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit to, to reveal that truth and to keep it within us. Father, I pray that you would uh, guide me this morning, that you would guide us as a church. I pray for those that would be contemplating baptism, and uh, I ask that you would help them to, to be obedient to Scripture and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Um, Lord, I pray that if there are those that are wrestling with whether or not to get baptized, that you, um, You'd either uh, bring them peace this day or have the answers that they seek. In Jesus' name, amen. The whole message here on baptism, but then there was worship this morning. And I feel they're connected somehow in a really cool way that um, I've had some other verses put on my heart this morning that I think I want to get into, and maybe we'll touch on baptism uh, a little bit. We have a message on it every year. If you have questions about baptism that I don't happen to get to this morning, come and see me afterwards, and we can talk about, about those types of things. Um, and at the same time... Um, I, like I said, I, I don't know where I'm going to necessarily go right now. And so I appreciate grace and patience um, from you. I think that aspect of shame um, that Mackenzie had kind of talked about as the Lord led her in worship and, and a lot of the songs um, is something that is pervasive in people's hearts and lives and pervasive within the church. And, and I think it's a bigger problem than we necessarily like to deal with at times because, well, because of shame. <laughs> like, like if we're feeling shame or if we're feeling condemnation within our, our hearts or lives about certain things, like who wants to bring them up, right? Like, like we even like to hide certain things that you know, um, like when I started, I've been kind of public about kind of my journey with fitness and eating and, and all of these other things. And, but like when it first started out, like I didn't want to tell anybody that like, oh yeah, I'm trying to change the way I eat. I'm trying to, to exercise a little bit. And, and part of that was just simply because like I felt like I had let things go too far physically in my life and I kind of felt shame about it. So, so actually like verbalizing to other people like, oh yeah, I'm going to try and start running and, you know, for me it's more like plotting, <laughs> you know, was, was this whole thing of like, if I say that out loud, then that's admitting that I don't think I'm good in this part of my, my life over here. And, and that's just kind of like a, a silly physical thing, right? Like, like we encourage and we celebrate when, when people are um, in a place of, of trying to be healthier in their, their physical life. And yet when it comes to spiritual life, how much more difficult is it? 
when we have things that are deep within us, that are dark within us, things that we're ashamed about, things that we might have done or things that people have done to us or, or even just the thoughts that come into our heads. And yet, we don't like talking about it. Because when we talk about it, it feels like that shame gets worse or that condemnation gets worse. Or what is somebody else going to think about me? Like if I dare share, like this is my struggle, this is what I deal with, how were they going to think about me? And, and this shame thing really just starts to build. And I just want to take a moment and, and I want to talk about all the different ways um, that shame can affect us and our relationships. And I didn't have time to sit through and think through a list, so I need your help this morning. Uh, and so I'm asking, like, like, what are some different ways that, that you've either experienced or a, a friend has experienced? You know, my, my friend's friend, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, we're not trying to dig in, but what are some ways that shame affects us? What is that? I'm I, criminal history, thank you. Um, and so that can be a source of shame, right? How does that affect us? Like, like actually like affecting the way that we live. Being reserved, right. And so shame of something in the past can cause us to hold back. Hold back in relationships, hold back from letting other people get to know us. Yeah, it's good. Not, not being as close to God. And people around you, okay? So we touched on the, the people around. How does it keep us from being close to God? It makes us feel like we don't deserve to be loved by him. Yeah. I, I think that's huge, right? When we feel like we've messed up. I, I, and this is one of those areas in my own life that I struggle with at times. Because... Um, I look at scripture and it says that God loves me, right? Like God, God loves me. And it's there in black and white or red, if you have a red letter Bible or whatever it is, right? But it's there. And, and so my mind, this is, what, this is how the enemy messes with me personally. My mind says he loves me. He's my father who loves me. And, and yet when I feel like I screw up or I'm dealing with shame, the, the way that that interaction comes into my mind is, well, he loves me because he says that he loves me, so he has to love me, and, and I'm just the annoying kid who can't get it right. And so he's still there, and he still loves me, and he's still going to help me out. But, but in my mind, it's almost as though my relationship with him has turned into this aspect of like, well, he loves me, but I think he's like, Josh, what are you doing? Like, how many more times are you going to go, I'm, I love you, I'm going to take care of you, but come on, enough. Like, that's how I feel sometimes. Sure. Yeah. Right. And so grace for one, a one-time thing. Like, like we commit a sin, we make a mistake, we blow up in anger, whatever it is. Oh, Lord, would you forgive me? I receive that forgiveness. 
And then we feel like if um, we don't just walk forward in perfection after that and never deal with that again, then that's what we expect of ourselves. And, and we can have shame. Yeah. Tells us what type of Christian we are. Yeah. How could you do this if this is what you believe? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it, it affects how we spend time with him, right? And, and so if we're feeling shame over something in our life, uh, it can be hard to go to his word and, and read it because if we read his word, in here we might feel more confronted and might feel more of a mess, right? And, and so it's easier just to not go there. Or what if, you know, it's one of those things, I, and I've done this before with food, I, I know I've done this before with food where it's like, you know, I should really start eating better, you know, but man, I've let myself go so far. You know, let's just go to Culver's one more time. You know, l l there's just one more flavor. You know, as long as I'm in this place of unhealthiness, let me deal with this flavor one more time. And then tomorrow, I'll, I'll get into healthier eating, right? What was that? But tomorrow, yeah, because tomorrow you say tomorrow, right? And, and so I think it can be the same thing with the way that we read Scripture, right? If we haven't been reading Scripture for a while and we've gotten into routine of YouTube or Facebook or watching a movie or whatever it is that, that takes up the time that we could be using for Scripture, we could be sitting there, and, and I've done this too, like, like I'm, I'm in a series, and, and I honestly, streaming sites, like I, I long for like TGIF Fridays, like I'm dating myself, but anybody else remember TGIF? Yeah. And, and so you had no choice, but that your show only came out once a week. And, and now with Netflix and Amazon and like all of these other things, like you can watch episode after episode after episode, and, and you can go through six years of television episodes within a month if you wanted to. And I've done this where it's like, you know what, I, I should be waking up and, um, you know, getting into Scripture, but I've gotten into such a habit of the next episode and the next episode that it's like, okay, well, I'm going to do this tomorrow. I'm going to get to Scripture tomorrow as soon as I finish this season. And then guess what? There's another season or there's another show or, or something like that, right? We can do the same thing with sin, we have a sin in our life, something that we're struggling with, and, and we can get into a place of, I need to deal with this sin. I, I need to, to break this addiction. And, and yet, because of shame, we identify with the sin. We feel that we're the sinner. We feel that we're addicted to pornography, that we're addicted to substance abuse, whatever it is. This is who I am. I need to fix it but I haven't told anybody. And then the next step is, well, if I tell somebody, then I have to start trying to change. Maybe I'll do it again before I tell somebody. And, and we can get stuck in those things all because of shame. Nicole.
Isolated, yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So you can feel isolated on, on different fronts because, first of all, if nobody knows what's happened, you're, you're kind of alone and trying to deal with it. And people wonder or say, hey, how are you doing? And your response is, I'm okay. Stop asking. <laughs> like, I'm okay, right? Or, or maybe you qualify it by saying, I'm okay in Jesus, right? But, but we're, like, we're still trying to, to wrestle with it. And, and you feel like either nobody knows or you think like there's something so wrong with you. And, and everybody else will look at you oddly or that there's nobody else in this room that um, deals with the same thing. And that's simply not true. So... Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so there's that, that momentary aspect of shame over doing something. And then if we don't deal with that, it kind of leeches on and steals our identity. Is, is that fair? Yeah, shame can prevent us from loving other people. How, how can that happen? I, I, I want to explore that just a little bit more. How can shame prevent us from loving others? Well, you don't open yourself up? Oh, it's back there? Yeah, right? There's that commandment, like, love others as you love yourself. And, and if we're sitting there and self-loathing all the time, like, what are we basing love for other people on? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that makes it worse. That's that's a, a separate thing. So we're, we're talking about like shame within ourselves. And what Becky's bringing up is that aspect of like, if we're trying to deal with that shame and you have somebody who's, who's judgmental and, and kind of condemning you for what you've done and treating you differently for what you've done, it makes it really hard to, to deal with that shame aspect, right? And, and I think that what we have to look at, and, uh, and that's worth a whole nother conversation, is just touching on that and saying that happens, right? Broken people can actually heap more shame on, right? And, and that passage that Jesus talks about where don't go and try to remove the speck from your brother's eye until you realize that you have a log in your own eye is how we approach this. And so as we talk about shame, recognize that that other person who's doing that probably has shame themselves and they're just not acknowledging it and if they would acknowledge it and treat it healthily through working with the holy spirit they would realize then 
the grace that's needed for the other person. It's the whole point of the speck in the log passage. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Donna. She was saying, like, this desire over uh, the way that she raised her kids in the past, um, and it can be any number of things for any of us, our marriages. You know, shame over how it was in the past, or sins that we've committed, how those were in the past, or anything in the past. Like, there can be this shame over something that we did years ago. And, and haven't, hasn't necessarily even been in the same situation that can still cause a, a weight and a sorrow upon us that can, can kind of hinder our identity and our relationships or how we see ourselves. Like if God looks at us and says that we're forgiven, shame says that's a lie. And we don't feel forgiven and we can't let it go and, and walk in freedom. Okay. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. Right. So you're you're unable to receive, and I think that a lot distills down to just being really defensive. And and that's because of the pain that we're feeling, right? So if we're struggling with shame, and we don't have to necessarily have shame in all of our life, like, oh, I've just had so much, but there might be like this little corner of my life, maybe it's the way you spend time, maybe it's a hidden sin, maybe it's something else, but like there's this little area of life that, that has shame, and if anything gets close to that, there's almost like this, uh, and shame is a wound, Right? Like, like, it's an emotion, it's a wound, it's sitting there and saying like, oh, this is broken, and I don't like that it's broken, but I feel like I can't fix it. And, and what happens is, is a lot of times where is that, that shame is there, anything that gets close to it, you get really defensive, right? 
And I think that's what you're kind of talking about, even being hard to love others well, because if we're loving people and in relationship with them and, and interacting with them, anytime any conflict, anytime any conversation comes up where um, something like touches on that, defensiveness comes up. And our conversations can get really defensive or we can wall ourselves off from people just because that's there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good too. Um, it, it really can turn into um, shaded glasses on our eyes, right? Like you, we hear about rose-colored lenses when somebody falls in love and, and they're not really able to see the faults or red flags in a relationship because they're like, this person's the best that we spend all of our time together and it's wonderful and fuzzy and good and, and like... There could be a huge character flaw that you're not noticing because you're, you're so focused. Shane does the same thing, but almost in reverse, I think, is what Becky's getting at, is that when we have shame-colored glasses on and, and we're interacting with other people, uh, it can almost come to a point where um, they think badly of me. No matter what they say, they think badly of me. Or, or whatever the word says, here is the, the worst possible way that I could look at it. You know, somebody's trying to help me with an issue, and the only way I receive it is, you failed, you messed up, you need to fix it. And somebody becoming, in, in the most positive, loving way, that just is trying to say, like, hey, I'm noticing that here's an issue. This has happened uh, in, in my own marriage at times, where, like, I don't like the way I've been spending my time lately. I feel like my time hasn't been very efficient. And, and so I'm sitting there, and uh, I, I feel, you know, and, and here's the other thing, too, and I'm, I know I'm bouncing all over the place, but, but it often starts with an aspect of conviction, right? So, so, like, in this particular story, I hadn't necessarily been faithful with my time in the way that I spent my time in, in this given week, and so I started feeling, like, this conviction from the Holy Spirit that starts off with, this needs to change, right? But the enemy will often try to immediately distort that into shame. Instead of us saying, conviction, the Holy Spirit saying, I need to change this. Okay, no problem. Thank you, Lord, for showing me where I need to change. Now give me the strength to make a choice and to just start walking in truth. Like, that's the way this whole thing is designed to happen. But when we struggle with shame, what the enemy does is says, well, here's this conviction. Look how you messed up. And, and you messed up in this. And then we start feeling that emotion of shame and feeling like a failure and feeling like we're messing up. And, and then it was just easier to be like, well, you know, I'm already in three episodes in. What's one more episode? Right? My wife comes into the room and, and she just says, you know, hey, how's the message going? That's it. Like, how's the message for Sunday going? It's, it's not a bad question at all. I, she's not coming in and saying, hey, do you think that you're spending too much time watching television? It, it's just a uh, question. Say, how's it going? 
And, and what shame will do in that moment is to turn it into that defensiveness because of that lens. Only thing that I'm hearing is, how's the message going? Right? It's not how she said it, but shame can actually cause us to hear it that way. And so then we respond by saying, well, it's fine, it's whatever, but I'm doing this now. Why are you getting, de- I'm not getting defensive. Like, like, you see how easily it can roll into that? Simply because, like, there's a lens of shame in our life. One more thought, and then I want to move on to some scripture here. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Right. Right. That's perfect. That's it, actually the, a great, I, that's the verse I wanted to go to. So I love that you're bringing that out. And, and what he's talking about is how he deals with shame and, and really is kind of that examination of why am I dealing with this, right? And if it's a negative aspect, then bring it to the Lord and let, let's turn it to a positive aspect and bringing out that there's times to watch television shows and it's, it's totally fine to do that. And, and I only bring up that analogy, and there's, there's times Angie and I sit and we watch a television show for a while, and it's, it's fine, like we're spending time together. But I brought that up because shame can link into so many different things. doesn't have to be a big, ugly, nasty sin. It can just be how we feel about the way we spend our time. And, and it could be anything in between those. But the reality is, is that, that in Scripture, the, the level of shame or the source of shame truly makes no difference to Jesus, right? Because we shouldn't have shame at all. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, There's now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son uh, as a sin offering. And, and so essentially what this is saying is, is that we can't get rid of shame. We have nothing within our own ability, our own strength, being able to do ten things right to every one thing wrong. It, it's impossible for us to get rid of sin in our life. We cannot do it. It's, it's simply accomplished by Jesus Christ on the cross. But what he's saying is that if you're in Christ, if you have forgiveness, if you've been redeemed, there is no condemnation because he's now paid for it. 
it's now been washed away. This, this is that truth. It's no longer there. Um, Romans 8 continues on and is worth reading this entire chapter. And if I start reading this entire chapter out loud, I'm going to be stopping at every verse and talking for 10 minutes on each one of these. Um, and we'll be here till tomorrow. So um, I, I just want to skim through some of these things here um, as we look through this. Uh, verse 12. Says, brothers and sisters, we're not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh or, or according to a sinful nature within us. Because if you live according to this, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And so, what this is really saying is we've been set free by Jesus at the cross. That the chains have been broken. We're, we're no longer tethered to sin. We're no longer tethered to addiction. And we're no longer tethered to shame. Now what the enemy tries to do, what Satan tries to do, is to get us to believe as though we're still attached to that. One of the illustrations that I love the best with this is the way that they train horses. Um, to be able to, to stay to a hitching post. And they take a horse when it's really, really young, and they put the harness on it, and they take, you know, the leash, the, the reins, thank you. <laughs> they take the reins, and they put the reins around the post, right? And so you have this baby horse with reins around the post, and, and the baby horse doesn't want to be there, so what does it do? It sits there, and it pulls, and it tries to get away. It can't, because it doesn't have the strength to do it. And, and so they continue as that horse grows, always tying it to the post, right? Now what happens when you take a Clydesdale that, and you put the reins around a post? It stays there, right? But Clydesdales are able to pull thousands of pounds. What is that post to a Clydesdale? But yet in its mind, it's, it's tethered, Right? And so this is what this passage is talking about, is, is Satan, or not Satan, but Jesus, rather, Satan wants us to believe we're still tied to that post. We don't have the strength and we don't have the ability to go with it. And in reality, what happened at Jesus at the cross is he just came and cut the tether. There is no tether, but yet, a lot of times, because of shame, we live as though that there is. And so he's saying that we're not obligated. This thing has been cut because of Jesus' work at the cross. And then it says in verse 14, for all those led by God's Spirit, for all those who have received salvation, that this tether has been cut, that they've been set free, they are God's children. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. That's what you were talking about. Slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Because the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. And so what this is saying is because we're set free, because we're adopted as children by God, because of his blood, he's wiped away the debt, wiped away the shame. It does not exist at all. It's not there. I, I, but what it's saying is we didn't receive the spirit of fear or slavery to go back into fear. And, and this is what Satan is trying to do with shame. It's an illusion. 
It's an illusion that he's trying to get us to accept as part of us, as part of being a failure, that, that puts on this pretend lens. If we're in Christ, the lens isn't even really there, but he tries to get us to think that it's there because to get us to feel afraid, which is really what shame turns into, right? I'm feeling ashamed of this, and I'm afraid of other people knowing. I feel ashamed of this, and I'm afraid that I'll never get away from it. And so we start living out of fear. We start living out of shame. Uh, and as this gentleman mentioned up front, like, it changes the way that we interact with other people. And it changes the way that we interact with God. And everything is, is tinged with that and shaped by that in our choices and our actions, the way that we spend time in worship, the, the way that when we start to struggle with something, and we don't go to other people and say, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with this. All of it is meant to mire us more and more into muck and clay and slow us down. Even if we don't deny Christ, even if we don't fall into deep sin, what has Satan done? He's accomplished in slowing us down and hindering us from accomplishing all the things that God has promised to us. And yet what he's saying here is, because we're free, we can cry out, Abba, Father. I was going to ask for a video, and, and I'm not going to ask you to try, but try and find this at home. There's a video out there um, of, of cows that are going out into grass for the first time, like after winter. Has anybody else seen that? Okay, it's so cool. Like, like you get there, and they're, they're like these uh, the black and white cows that we have all over Wisconsin. Holstein cows, right? And, and so they've been in the barn for like all winter long. And all they've really seen is the dreariness within the barn and the straw on the ground and everything else that's on the ground. And, and, and so like they opened this door to this barn and they got this camera set out there because I'm guessing the cows do it every year. And, and the cows start coming out and they're just kind of like, mm, you know, like, wait a minute, what's this under my... And then they're just like bouncing all over the place like I've never seen cows jump and they're literally like all four hoofs up in the air in their excitement over like this is awesome this freedom is amazing and this is the the, the juxtaposition in this passage that's being made is we're not given a spirit of slavery a spirit of shame a condemnation or failure so that our relationship with God is all of this cringing fear of being a mistake. What he's saying is we've been set free as children and our spirits cry out, Daddy. This is the truth. And yet Satan still tries to condemn. Because of this, I, I love the passage in Zechariah uh, chapter 3. And, and part of this is because the, the main character in this, his name is Joshua. And so, like, it's easier for me to kind of put myself in, in the position, but it really put all of us in this position. Uh, Zechariah chapter 3, um, he's having a vision uh, of the high priest Joshua standing before the angel of the Lord with state, Satan at his right side to accuse him. And, and so, in other words, like, imagine being in that position, Right? Like, like, there's been things that you've done in your life, and here's Satan accusing you. I guess we don't have to imagine being in that position. That happens all the time, right? It happens all the time. 
We make a mistake. We respond in a way that isn't Christ-like. We commit a deep sin. Whatever it is, Satan's right there saying, look at you. You're a failure. You're not good enough. God doesn't love you. This is what he's doing in this vision. Satan's standing at his right hand accusing him. Verse 2, the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. May the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Isn't this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? In other words, I've saved him. I've rescued him. He goes on to say that Joshua was dressed with filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. So the angel of the Lord spoke to those standing before him. Take off his filthy clothes. And then he said, I've removed your iniquity from you and I will clothe you with festive robes. Put a clean turban on his head and garments. And they clothed him and the angels clothed him. It's a picture of what happens when Satan accuses us. We, we fall into a temptation. We respond in a way that we don't like. We spend more time watching television than we think we should watch. And, and what Satan wants to do is just take that little seed and, and cause it to feel condemned and shame within us so that we feel like a failure that then can either cause us to slow down or, or snowball into other failures. But the reality, the truth of the situation is that Satan is sitting there trying to, to whisper into our ears saying, look at you. Look at you, how you failed. Look at the mistakes that you've made. You're never going to be good enough. You're only ever going to fail. Blah, 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 blah. Right? At the same time, God is sitting over there saying, who are you to accuse this person that I've rescued from sin and death? That my son died on the cross for who's washed white as snow. Who is my child? Who are you to say this to them? You're a little dirty. Let's change your clothes. That's all God says. He's not sitting there saying, okay, you know, Satan, you have a, you have a good point. Joshua made some mistakes. And, and so therefore, you know, I've got some chores for him to do. And I've got, he's like, no, I've already rescued him. His place before me is righteous and holy. Your place, if you're in Christ, is righteous and holy before him. We then have to choose. What do we listen to? Do we listen to the whispers that say that we're not good enough? Or do we listen to the whispers that say we are redeemed? That we are loved and that we are forgiven? We make that choice, and the choice that we make comes out in our interactions with other people. Life says here, if we live by the Spirit, we have life. If we listen to the Spirit and what God says about us, we walk in life, we walk in joy, and shame slides off of us. But if we listen to shame, if we listen to accusations, those things have a tendency to bore within us and become roots of, of bitterness, roots of anger, roots of defensiveness that, that grow within us. And, and the result is we see death in relationships. We see death in our interactions. And, and we see death of our spirituality. But again, the truth of that is, is that all it takes, if we find ourselves having gone down a, a tunnel of shame, and defensiveness, and it's like this root that is like crawled up all around us. 
the reality of that is, it's all deception. It's all deception. Because what does God say? We're free. Why has he set us free? For freedom. Are we able to get out of this ourselves? No. What's able to free us from that? Yeah, salvation at the cross. Jesus said it is finished. And so that feeling, that sense of gone going too far away from God, that feeling is entirely deception. Because what God tells us again and again and again is that his mercies are new every morning. We sang a song like that this morning. That, that Jesus' death is more than enough to wash us clean and to set us free. That our standing with him is as children who can cry out, Abba, Father. And it's the choice that we have to make. And really what it comes down to is what, what are we focusing on? Because if we focus on ourselves and we focus on failures and all the little whispers of the enemy, we find ourselves in a tunnel. But if we choose, whether or not it feels like it, and a lot of times we go off the way things feel or from our own judgment, because we certainly like to judge ourselves. I'm a failure. I messed this up. I'm not good enough. But again, who are you going to believe? Satan whispering into your ear, your own judgment of yourself, or what God who spoke all things into existence says about you. That's why I think in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, when it's talking about um, the spiritual warfare and resisting uh, the work of the enemy, all of these things come together. And he talks about the armor of God. And you go through the armor of God and saying, being strengthened by the Lord, this is verse 10, this vast strength, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil or those little whisperings that he tries to put into your ear. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, spiritual forces in heaven. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you're able to resist in the evil day or those tempting whispers, and having prepared everything to take your stand. So there's a sense of preparation here, and then there's a choice of putting on this armor. And as you go through this armor, the, with, um, it starts off by saying, with truth like a belt around your waist. So starting off with choosing truth. Righteousness, armor on the chest. Feet with the readiness for the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. Each one of these things are aspects of what God has declared he accomplished at the cross. It's saying choose to put these on, choose to wear these, choose to live these out. The only way to truly combat shame is to turn our focus away from those accusations and the way that we feel about them onto what has God said is true? And that's what I want to live. That is what I want to shape my choices. That's what I want to shape my actions. And what that tells me is it doesn't matter how far I've gone down this path. I'm here with him. He is there. And all I have to do is just start walking with him. I, I like what Donna had said earlier. That aspect, it could be decades ago. 
of something that we feel shame over. And the truth is, there's no condemnation for that, Donna. No condemnation for that. You're following him right now. And he's using you right now. And you're righteous right now. And you're beautiful in him right now. And your relationship with your daughter right now is in him and is holy and good. And I've seen that. That is the truth. And all of those other things do not matter. All of those other things are in the past and have been redeemed. And he's used for good. That is the truth of it. It's the same thing for any one of us. We have things in our past. We may have things in the very recent past. But the truth is, light and love, grace and mercy, forgiveness, redemption, and holiness are all yours in Christ Jesus. You can't do it by your own efforts, by your own abilities. Only he can do it for you. And all he asks for us is to say, Lord, I follow you. And to do it together. Again, another big aspect of shame is to hide, is not to share. We, we, we tend to go alone because it feels more shameful to tell other people. But the truth is, the battle between shame and walking in truth is a battle of choosing what to believe. And when we're in the midst of that battle, it can be really hard for us to accept and believe what is true because we're so blinded or trapped by what is untrue. And one of the biggest helps for that is to have other people come alongside you and remind you, this is truth, this is false. To link arms together, even though we have specks and logs in our own eye, to say we're just walking towards Jesus together and we're trusting him to work in us. Baptism, coming up next week. Again, we're not here, but we'll be in Milwaukee for a baptism service. I think baptism is an awesome declaration of truth. I've died to sin. I'm set free from sin. I'm resurrected in the power of the Holy Spirit. I am a new creation. It's what baptism symbolizes. Being baptized is a declaration of that truth. It is this aspect of Satan saying, well, you're not good enough to get baptized. And, and us turning back and saying, well, he commands me to get baptized even though I still struggle here on earth as a representation of what he's already done. Choosing to be baptized is, is planting a banner in your life that says, I hold the truth and I walk away from lies. If you haven't been baptized, I encourage you to make that declaration next week. If you haven't been baptized and you take communion, it's really the same thing, <laughs> right? If, if you can take communion as a declaration of what Christ has done for you. You can be baptized as a declaration of what Christ has done for you. Uh, if you have questions on it, I encourage you to, to come and talk to me afterwards. Uh, Mackenzie, do you have one more song? Uh, we're running a little bit longer this morning. I thank you for your grace and patience in this. Um, but connected, in fact, why don't you play 
as long as you feel like you should play. Um, and worship as long as you feel like you should worship. Uh, I'm going to pray, and, and what we're going to do is we're going to have a soft close. Uh, we'll have a prayer team uh, available uh, for if you want prayer over any of these things. Um, but we're going to do what we call a soft close, which means that I'm going to pray and we're going to go into worship Stay as long as you would like or as long as Mackenzie plays. And maybe later some of us will like lift her arms up and, you know, help her with that, that strength later. Um, but worship as long as you feel like the Lord has you to stay here and worship. And if any of this, if you're feeling shame and um, the idea of going back and asking for prayer for that causes you to feel more shame, you should go get prayer. That is, again planting a declaration of, I choose truth instead of listening to shame. Um, I thank you for, for following the Holy Spirit in the song selection today. Um, and I really feel like this is one of the things the Lord wants to do within our church is, is to help us walk in that freedom. And, and if you're not, deal with that today. So let's stand. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your holy word, for the move of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and how you direct us in worship and in the word. Uh, again, I pray for those that may be considering baptism and uh, pray for your conviction, um, but not condemnation. Not to be baptized out of shame or feeling like people should have ought to have been baptized by now, but out of obedience and, and out of a desire to declare that truth of what you've done in their hearts. Lord, guard our worship. Guide how long it is. I pray that you would guide Mackenzie in the songs that she sings. Whether or not anybody else joins her, we just give this to you. In Jesus' name, amen.